part of. And they asked to give money in order for the message to go out. And he reached in his pockets and he didn't have any money. So when the offering plate came next to him, he took the offering plate and he moved to the middle of the aisle and put it in the floor and stood in it. And when they asked what he was doing, he said, I have no money, so I plan on giving me. And he did. So it does make an impact to give all. I appreciate that. I want to talk this morning, uh, getting a uh, new series messages on Jesus Christ. Discovering who, who Jesus is, and I want to look at that from the perspective of the scriptures of the questions that Jesus asked. We can learn a lot by questions. It's very good to be inquisitive, to listen, and to learn from the questions that are asked. And Jesus, a lot of times in his teaching, would use questions and make a powerful impact. Questions can can teach you a lot. I remember uh, back when uh, Bob Kesner came into the church fellowship, and Bob's sick today. I always miss seeing him when he's not able to be here. Craig and I went to his house and we listened to him share his story about Jesus Christ. And then we told him, you know, God wants your everything, Bob. He wants you to be fully committed. And so because of that, all that you have is His and you should be willing to share with your church family. And with that in mind, Craig and I said, so we have a very important question for you, Bob. 10% of everything, what's in that refrigerator? <laughs> we kidding, God, I looked at refrigerator. 10% of everything. We, we, we can learn from, from questions. And it should be a motto. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, this is a quote from Edith Horton. What a great motto this would make. In spite of illness... In spite even of sorrow, one can remain alive long after the usual date of disintegration if one is unafraid of change, insatiable in intellectual curiosity, and interested in big things, and happy in small ways. Boy, that's something we could chew on for a long time. What a, what a great motto to live by. Don't be afraid to ask the important Questions And of course, when we ask questions of Jesus Christ, there is a subject that is inexhaustible. Uh, turn me uh, the book of John. Uh, I want to look at the very last verse in the book of John. John 21, 25. John shares the wonderful story, the life of Jesus Christ. And, and he, comes, he comes to the end, but he... His ending shows that you can't really end the subject of Jesus. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. He is inexhaustible. But we're called to discover Him. And, and I, want to, I want us to look. We're going to focus this morning on a question he asked. He, he basically asked, who do you think I am? 
Turn me to Matthew chapter 13, I mean 16, Matthew 16, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. Matthew sixteen thirteen through 17. And I ask you when you find that text to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, Lord, we worship you. Jesus, Son of God, living one, hope of the world, precious Lamb of God, without spot or blemish. We need to know you. And Father, as this question is asked, I pray it would penetrate each of us, Lord, that we would look at this question and We would investigate in our hearts as we look this morning. I pray that you would work through your word and uh, that you would take uh, my weak effort, Lord, and that you would infuse your Holy Spirit and anointing and power and that we would hear from you, God. We need to. So, Lord, lead us as we continue to look to you this morning. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's hard to picture what it must have been like in the original setting. I mean, we we live in a culture here where there are churches everywhere. Church signs that mention something about Jesus. Uh, his name is, is heard and well known. Around Bristol, through so many churches... But it wasn't that way when Jesus' disciples were gathered around him. At this moment, when this question was asked, churches weren't like convenience stores, one on every corner, and you could easily find one. There, there wasn't buildings built in the honor of Jesus Christ at that time. He wasn't the popular religious leader. And these men had left what was known to them, uh, They had left their comforts to follow this one who did not have the endorsement of the Jews or the Roman government. There were people who were in awe of him, but he was not some religious leader that had powerful political backing. It's interesting in this place where he spoke to them, in Caesarea Philippi is an area that was well known for religious worship. In the place where he had them gathered, there were no less than 14 temples that in the past had been a place of worship to 
the god Baal. There was an edifice that Caesar had been worshipped and adored at that possibly Jesus was leaning against. And in this place of dead religions, Jesus would ask the question, Who do you say that I am? That was significant and that would make a difference. Uh, let's look. Um, as he speaks, he begins. He, he doesn't ask them, who do you say I am? But who, who, do the, who does others say that I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? Notice in verse 14, he starts out, he says, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Now remember, John the Baptist at this point is he's dead. He's, he's not living among them. He's a guy who had great influence. He's a guy that recently lost his head. And I don't mean he got angry or lost his senses. I mean, he lost his head. If you go back to Matthew 14, a couple of chapters, we read about him and we discover the setting of how that occurred, where Herod became lost uh, at a birthday party and watching a young woman dance and he promised her anything she wanted and her mother had prompted this girl to ask for the head of John the Baptist, which he reluctantly agreed to have ordered to be chopped off. But that had set in his mind and, and I, he started a rumor. And I believe it's cause of deep regret because as you read through the Scriptures and you see Herod and John the Baptist's relationship, he respected John the Baptist. He saw him as a man who had the mark of God upon him. And in, in verse 1 it says, At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. What do you hear? He, he had been with John the Baptist. Herod had, had spent time with him and he saw the mark of God on his life. And he thought, oh my, man, he's awning me. He's, he's back from the dead. That's who this is. It's John. And so this rumor had, had been floating around, had been going out through the community. And others had heard this and the whispers had been there. And, and, it's, <coughs> and so there was this idea here of who he was. Still others said, not John the Baptist, but they said instead that he was Elijah, the prophet. Elijah wasn't beheaded, but he left, not the usual way of dying, he took off in a flaming chariot. He was known as the most well-known Influential of the prophets among the Jews, among God's people. And, and so others were saying, maybe he's, the, he's Elijah, the greatest of the prophets. The one who spoke for God. The one who walked so close with God that he just will skip death and just, just walk right on into God's glory. Now, he had, that had been at least 900 years ago that Elijah had walked upon the earth. And, and so they were saying, he's come back as Elijah. So there were those who said, that's who he is. And still there were others, as we read, that said, no, he's Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah, prophet among his day, he wasn't received well. He, he wasn't loved. He wasn't respected. But later on, they looked at him as they looked back on his life in later years and said, you know, he really was a special guy, Jeremiah. So there were those who looked at him and said, this is a guy, we won't really understand the full significance of who he is until later on. This guy's special. You're going to hear from him later on. He's going to make a difference. He's going to make an impact. You know, regardless of how you look at it, there were a lot of different opinions of who Jesus was. And there's still, today, that's still true. There are those out there that say, yeah, who is Jesus? He, he was a, a man who spoke for God, who was a great speaker, and, and he was able to perform these powerful demonstrations that encouraged people to believe he was God. And there were others that said he was a miracle worker. And, and there were some that said he, he's, he's God, he's divine, he's special. Then there are others that said he's just a teacher. And there are others that said, oh, he never existed. He's just a legend that just grew up as people talked. And, and there are differing opinions of, of who he is even today. And as he, as he looked, he said, who are others say I am? But then he gets more personal. He said, who do you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say? As we see in the Scripture, he says, what about you? And then Simon Peter, who um, spoke not only for himself, but it looks like for the group, he answered quickly. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. As he said this, remember, he spoke to one who did not at that time have powerful connections and security. And, but Simon Peter knew who he was. And Jesus, he replied to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. He said, you didn't, you didn't get this. You didn't understand this through your own ingenuity. This came because God showed you. We're able to understand who Jesus really is. We're able to really grasp His identity only as He shows us by His Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, Pete, you understand because God has shown you. He's, he's made you see who I really am. You know, as you uh, look through different people, there have been affirmations of Jesus' identity and the difference He has made in life of a testimony. I, I just looked at some I want to share with you. People you've heard of. The first one, uh, remember the guy that said, Would you be, could you be my neighbor? Mr. Rogers? If you remember, uh, this is a quote from Mr. Rogers from... Uh, Several years ago, it says, I can't imagine more surprising places for God to appear than a manger or a cross. Yet all through his life and resurrection, Jesus demonstrates the power of showing and sharing God's love. Every time I write a script or a song or walk into the studio, I pray, let some word that is heard be thine. That's really all that matters, Mr. Rogers. He knew the real neighborhood. 
Vincent Van Gogh, remember the guy chopped his ear off? He said, it is a very good thing that you read the Bible. The Bible is Christ for the Old Testament leads up to this culminating point. Christ alone has affirmed as a principal certainty eternal life, the infinity of time, the nothingness of death, the necessity and the serenity and devotion. He lives serenely as a greater artist than all other artists, despising marble and clay as well as color, working in living flesh. That is to say, this matchless artist made neither statues nor pictures nor books. He loudly proclaimed that he made living men immortals. Or here's one that I had no idea. He had a faith in Christ. Remember the old uh, promoter, Don King, boxing promoter, had the hair? I thought, uh, I wasn't necessarily a big Don King fan in those days. I guess that kind of dates me some. But uh, this guy was a boxing promoter, par none. Man, he could talk. Uh, this uh, was a time back in 1999, just before the uh, Hollyfield-Tyson fight. He writes, Irrespective and irregardless to what every vendor Hollyfield's skills and talent are in the boxing ring, his heart is right with God. And that's what's first and foremost. I've come this far by faith, trusting in God's holy word, leaning on him, and he's never failed me yet. How does our success come about? Just look up and ask for Jesus Christ, the matchless Lamb, the Prince of Peace, and you'll find the answer. Wow. Got new respect for you, Don, with that hair. Uh, here's from Carl Malone. You guys know I enjoy basketball, a basketball player. Back a few years ago, he, he wrote, I wasn't put on earth to play basketball, although I love to play and I love to compete, and it's a great avenue for me to experience special moments when I can help people. Two things are sacred to me, my family and my religion. I am never embarrassed by Jesus Christ. Without Him, I wouldn't be in the position I am today. Amen, what a discovery. Here's one from a former president, Theodore Roosevelt. My great joy and glory that in occupying an exalted position in the nation, I am enabled to preach the practical moralities of the Bible to my fellow countrymen and to hold up Christ as the hope and Savior of the world. Man, from the President of the United States. Remember the writer John Grisham? Some of you have read his novels that just hold you, you know, on edge. Grisham writes... I came under conviction when I was in the third grade and I talked with my mother. I told her, I don't understand this, but I need to talk to you. We talked and she led me to Jesus. The following Sunday, I made a public confirmation of my faith. In one sense, it was not terribly eventful for an eight-year-old, but it was the most important event in my life. Who is this Jesus? And who is He to you? Not who is He to the crowd. Who is He to you? Who is He? Not many know, but when that uh, short but powerful little guy, Napoleon Bonaparte, he you know, sought out to conquer the world, and he ended up on an island by himself with a Bible and a journal. And he began to investigate the king of kings. You know, he wanted to be the king of the world. The king of kings. And as he read and as he studied the Bible, 
in those days of isolation. Um, Here's what he discovered. This is from Napoleon's journal. I know men, and I tell you, that Jesus Christ is not a man. Superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is between Christianity and whatever other religions the distance of infinity. His religion is a revelation from an intelligence which certainly is not that of man. One can absolutely find nowhere but in him alone the imitation or the example of his life. I searched in vain in history to find anyone else similar to Jesus Christ or anything which can approach the gospel. Neither history nor humanity nor the ages or nature offer me anything with which I am able to compare it or explain. Here everything is extraordinary. There is no one else like Jesus. I mean, we could, I could go on. I could have pulled up more words, more testimonies, more personal written descriptions of who is Jesus to people you've heard of. Who is He to you? Jesus was asking the disciples, who am I to you? Who am I personally to you? Who is He to you? Who is He to me? That, that's what matters. Who is He? The Scriptures proclaim there is no one else qualified to grant forgiveness. Guys, we just... We all need to be forgiven. Like Tammy shared earlier, we're all sinners. Um, I like to say we're all a mess. We need Him. No one else is qualified to, to provide that forgiveness, guys. No one else will be with you no matter what. You might think that your life right now is secure. You might think that your relationships are rock solid. But there's only one. There really is. That is God. He, he says in Romans eight thirty eight through 39 that Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Man, that's what's really there. Jesus is the one who really promises to never leave nor forsake you. I can't promise that of anyone else. Or anything else. I love in Proverbs 18, uh, 24, I believe it is, it says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. We can count on Him. There's no one else who can heal you from diseases. You know, we, we go to doctors. I'm grateful for medical technology and I'm grateful for those who do the work. And, and, but the truth of the matter is, we're all weak. Only God really ultimately heals. He's the one that heals. He's the one to trust. Um, no one else can provide a peace that passes understanding. And even when there's chaos all around you, God can provide a peace that you can't explain comes from Him. That's found in Jesus Christ. There's no one else who can bring back the joy that someone robbed from you. Man, life's a blessing. And at times we get hurt, though. 
At times someone does something that just jabs us and just rips us up and we get hurt and it's easy to get bitter and to get hurt and our joy is, is robbed from us and we, we need it back. Jesus can bring it back. He can fill the empty place of the heart. He can bring back hope. Yeah, that's one thing I love about our Lord. He gives new life. He gives new beginnings. He gives new chances. Where are you? It doesn't matter. He's there. And He's ready to help you get back up and have a new hope, a new life. And then, of course, ultimately, there's no one else who can take you by the hand and lead you to glory. Man, we're all we're all temporal. We talk about people who are who are dying, who are terminal. We're all there. Just the clock ticks at different speeds. But praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ that He promises when that time comes for me and He comes for you, His hand is there ready to hold you, to take you through the gate of glory, to get there. Um, so who is Jesus to you? You know, guys, if something happens tomorrow and you go somewhere else and you forget who I am, big deal. But to forget who Jesus is, is the deal. Who is He to you? Have you, have you placed your confidence, your trust in Him, your hope in Him? That's the question. Let's pray. God, as we come to You, as we've taken time, Lord, to think back so long ago when Your hand-picked guys stood around You, O Lord, and You just asked them, who do others say I am? And more importantly, who do You say I am? Father, we hear what others say and we're brought face-to-face with a personal question. Lord, who are you to me? And I pray this morning that each of us will honestly address that question. And Father, that I pray that each one here can say he is the son of the living God, the Holy One. And uh, Father, I, 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 Father, work in us, Lord. Anyone that needs to come and to trust you for the first time and to find all that we've talked about that you provide, you stand ready to give that, Lord, to anyone who just says, I need you, Lord. Enter my life. Forgive me and make me whole. And Father, do your work in us this morning, God. Some of us, for whatever reason, God, we just need to see you again clearly. We've kind of lost sight of really who you are. And help us see fresh, Lord, who you are. And we just pray in the time of response to you that we would do that. We would respond to you, God. That we would say yes to you. That we would come to the altar to pray. That we'd come to share what you're doing in our life, God. That you'd be glorified, Lord. We look to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.